Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia episode ad-free? Head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room to listen to all of our podcast episodes without any ads. You get access to our video episodes, our bonus episodes, and even more exclusive content, including merchandise. It only starts at $5 a month, so head on over to our Patreon. Again, it's patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom. And while you're at it, you know what would be such a help is if you could rate and review the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And make sure that you follow us and share out our podcast to all of your friends. It truly does help. And I want to thank you all. It means so much that you're listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. I hope that you enjoy this episode. My intimate journey this summer being embracing my hot boyness. <laughs> That's what I now call it. But I'm going to open up about that. I'm going to talk about going to the clothing optional Belvedere and what it means to me to be naked in that space. Uh, what was it like to meet different men? And why am I now thinking of going back on the dating scene? Hi, everyone. This is Andrew, and I am interrupting what I know is such an exciting Ivory Tower Boiler Room episode to tell you all about one of my favorite podcasts. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and it's hosted by Christian Garcia. Christian is joined with guest co-hosts to talk about classic cinema films that we know and love, and he analyzes them through a queer lens. So, He's talked about The Sound of Music, Alfred Hitchcock, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, and recently, Hello, Dolly. I actually was on his first ever episode to talk about my love of The Sound of Music and playing Captain Von Trapp in my high school musical. Then I was joined with Mary DePippi, the host of True Crime in Academia, and our friend Travis Roundtree to talk about Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Mary just had Christian on True Crime and Academia to talk about female poisoners, including the evil queen from Snow White and actual real life female poisoners. So Christian's podcast is the best. You must add it to your listen list. After you listen to this episode, make sure you head over to That Old Gay Classic Cinema on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And he's also on TikTok. Don't forget TikTok. Okay. I can't wait for you all to listen to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And now back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved recently by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie, or what have you. 
In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog as well as personal essays on its popular Here's My Story section on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot org. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of the homepage. And if you have any questions, email publisher Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby. I actually, you all aren't live with me right now, but whenever I record these more, I call them pop culture or deep dives of my own personal life, the Dr. Andrew Rimby episodes, I'm going to go live on TikTok. So if you didn't know that I was going live on TikTok right now, you could have listened to this episode in advance. So all of you who are listening on TikTok, you're getting a behind the scenes of me actually recording the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. So they can see the mic, they can see the whole setup. Make sure that you follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Instagram at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. And of course, our TikTok at Ivory Tower Boiler Room. So you know when I'm going live. Okay. So I called this episode Dr. Andrew Rimby's Hot Boy Summer because I want to first recap some of the steamiest and most sexiest episodes that really... um ignited conversations this summer on the podcast. And again, if I don't choose one of the podcasts, I hope the guest is not offended. It doesn't mean that I don't think you're a sexy guest or steamy. It just means it didn't necessarily um, empower my hot boy summer reflections because I am going to open up about my own journey of being very unapologetically gay, my unapologetic steamy summer memories. I went to Fire Island. I went to a clothing optional resort on Fire Island called the Belvedere for the second time I was at the Belvedere. Uh, it's in Cherry Grove. So I'll get to that. And you can see this episode as two parts. Part one is more the eyebrow hot boy summer analysis of the podcast episodes and part two is going to be my own personal journey of being unapologetically gay, how I learned a lot from the podcast episode conversations and what I did to then take all of that knowledge and information and make sure that I was living my openly, you know, as openly queer male lifestyle and identity when I went to the beach and on my vacations. So the first thing I have to address is, as you all know, I now have my PhD. I'm Dr. Andrew Rimby now. Um, I got my PhD in July. I had my dissertation defense, but I had to then submit my dissertation, uh, final dissertation to the graduate school at Stony Brook University. So I submitted my final dissertation in August. 
So my summer vacations were kind of bookended. My one week on Fire Island was at the end of June, right before my dissertation defense. And then when I submitted my final dissertation, I then went to Atlantic City. But even right after my dissertation defense, I went to Atlantic City for the week with my parents in July. So there's kind of Fire Island, June, uh, first week in Atlantic City, uh, July, next time in Atlantic City, August. And every time I had these vacations, I was at different phases of my final PhD work. So that's kind of how I categorize it in my head. In May, even though I know everyone out there, summer is in June, okay? I'm not naive, but we had a lot of summery episodes in May just because I had taken a month off from the podcast to refeature older episodes on our social media because of the PhD dissertation. Like I knew how um, time consuming it was going to be in those final weeks. And it was, I wrote about, uh, I think I wrote, 200 pages in three months. I'm not even sure how I wrote 200 pages in three months, but it happened. So all of you out there, thanks for supporting me on the journey. I tell you, social media, podcasts, uh, music, it got me through those final months. Don't mind me, I'm just drinking my Starbucks. The fall flavors are back at Starbucks, everyone, and I had to. I'm having an apple crisp an iced apple crisp shaken espresso with oat milk. It's so good. I'm trying to stay away from having too many of the pumpkin drinks because once you start to have the pumpkin drinks, in my opinion, I get really tired of the flavor and I love pumpkin, but I don't want to um, run out of steam for the fall. I want October to be my pumpkin month, if that makes sense to you all. I'm a huge Halloween fan. I actually, um, I'll talk about it, but I am going to do a Halloween special. So hopefully you're starting to watch some of the same TV shows I am and some of the movies that are coming out that I'll be recapping. Okay. So in May, I'm going to start with what I probably, I have to say, is probably one of the top Ivory Tower Boiler Room sexiest and most unfiltered conversations. And because I am on TikTok Live, I'm not sure... Um, how many things I can get away with in terms of content. And um, I feel like if I start to say really risque things, they'll kick me off TikTok, but whatever. I'm not going to hold back on this podcast. I am going to give you all my most unfiltered conversation and topics. So don't worry. I will not um, hold out on you all. <laughs> I'm not going to blue ball you all. Okay, now that you have that vision <laughs> visual in your mind, um, I had Zachary Zane on, who if you don't know Zachary Zane, you need to know him. He is an unapologetic boy slut. Yes, boy slut. He is a bisexual male. He wrote this book called Boy Slut. It made such a splash this summer. And it's one of the only really well-known memoirs written by a bisexual man. So Zachary came on, his episode is from uh, May 22nd. So make sure you listen to it. He talks about reclaiming this concept of being a greedy male bisexual. And he said to me, Andrew, 
I know that being a greedy bisexual is seen as a stigma, but I'm reclaiming being a greedy bisexual. And I'm not a bisexual. You all know I'm gay. So it was so interesting to hear from Zachary Zane, his perspective of being bisexual and really claiming this space in his writing. He goes to sex parties. He um, is always doing this anthropological mission where he's actually part of the sex scene. So we're all hearing what it's like for him to join these parties as a bi man and to be mostly around gay men. What is that like to navigate? He talks about entering into polyamory. I now am starting to put myself out there on the dating scene. I have been single for, I've been single for at least, it has to be seven years. I've been single for seven years. I attributed it, I attributed it to being in my PhD program. I put up this wall of I'm not going to date until I finish my PhD. Like I'm not going to put myself out there romantically until I'm done this dissertation. So now I'm done the dissertation and yes, I'm starting to enter back into the dating scene. So wish me luck, everyone. If you know any eligible male bachelors out there for me, uh, have them slide into my DMs because um, especially if they're on Long Island, I need some uh, connections. And I am interested to go on dates. I don't know if I want to enter into monogamy. I'm kind of debating, do I want to start being in an open relationship right away? And I'd have to have that conversation, of course, with whoever I start dating with. We always need to have communication in relationships. That's now my MO is even with my friendships, I'm having such authentically open conversations about, hey, I kind of don't like what you said to me or that didn't really resonate with me. Can we have that conversation and know that we're going to resolve the conflict? I believe fully in conflict resolution because then it doesn't fester and manifest into passive aggressiveness, which then really all of the house of cards fall and you're left with a volatile situation. Just my opinion. So even with relationships, I'm thinking, do I want to enter into an open relationship right away? Do I want to be in a polyamorous situation? I, in my fantasy, think it could work with me dating two other guys at the same time and all three of us are dating in a throuple. Again, I need to meet the right guys, have the conversation. And Zachary's episode with me really gave me that confidence boost of, wow, well, Zachary said polyamory can work. He's so sex positive. Maybe I should put myself out there and don't judge people in polyamorous situations. And maybe it would work for me. I don't know if any of you out there are in polyamorous situations or open relationships in the gay community, there's a lot of open relationships and open marriages. So I've had those conversations, but I haven't really seen, I haven't had the conversation with someone who's in a throuple and how that's all working with all three of them together in a dynamic. Most of the open relationships I know is that the core couple, they then have their own partners, but they're not all together as a, they're not all together with um, each other's one-off relationships, so to speak. Um, 
So if you know a thruple that's thriving, I'll even interview them here on the podcast. Okay. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres. And recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote all about the philosophy of sport. And what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture? In the spring, I had on doctors Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is sound writing, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts. And then in the winter, I had on Dr. Dr. Jeffrey Weinstock. He talked about analyzing pop culture. Yes, I even sneak in some Real Housewives questions. And how to teach composition and make it fun. He uses this whole metaphor about being a mad scientist in this gothic lab. And in the fall, I had on Dr. Ann Stevens, and she talked about literary theory and criticism. And yes, the university season is upon us. So what better way to talk about the college classroom than to actually understand what is literary theory? That's a wonderful episode for all of you out there who teach literary studies. I love Broadview Press. Make sure you use their exclusive code. It's Ivory Tower on broadviewpress.com. You get 20% off all, all Broadview Press publications. Okay, until the next Broadview Press interview. And now back to the Ivory Tower boiler room. And for all of you who are not in the queer community, if you're straight, I know so many now who are straight who are coming to me and saying, Andrew, like I listened to Zachary Zane's episode about, you know, reclaiming it's okay to be greedy and be a bisexual. But even in the straight community, there's a lot of stigma around being in an open relationship, I know. So if you're straight and you're in an open relationship, I'd be interested in that process. Like, how did you have that conversation about being in an open marriage even? Um, so I know the straight community is starting to catch up with the gay community about being in open marriages. And I can't wait to see what's written by straight couples about navigating polyamory even. Okay, then I celebrated, I had an article come out this summer called Walt Whitman and Queer Theory. I am a 19th century scholar. That's my academic hat when I'm not in my media um, identity here on the podcast and on TikTok or on Instagram. So if you look up Walt Whitman and Queer Theory, that's my article. It should come up right away. And I was able to release a free version for you all. I was adamant and I'm so happy. Thank you to uh, Gail is the publisher. Thank you to Gail. They allowed me to put up a free version, and I was just so thankful. So some of you might know what queer theory is, or you think you know what, what it is. I want to shout out my good friend, Taylor Ferber, 
She has a podcast called Cancel Me Baby. If you don't listen, you need to. Um, she had this conversation about queer theory and I disagreed with her. I actually, as she knows, I'll go into her DMs and be like, Taylor, I listen to this, but I don't necessarily agree with it. And that's what I love about Taylor is she's always willing to have the conversation even when you disagree with her, which is a model for my show and my podcast is let's have these open debates and you can do it in a healthy way. So when I was talking with Taylor, what I disagreed with is when she talked about queer theory, she was coming at it more from this woke agenda model of almost a right-wing Republican Governor DeSantis view of what queer theory is. So because I have my PhD, let me break down for you all what queer theory is. From my understanding, um, there's a lot of queer theorists who even listen to this podcast. So I'm making a very umbrella blanket statement of queer theory. Just like feminist theory, there is no one version of queer theory that we're all going to agree with. There are lots of debates with academics on what feminist theory is, what queer theory is, what gender studies even is. So my version of queer theory or what I was taught and what I really, you know, think about it is that model of Judith Butler. So Judith Butler wrote Gender Trouble, Eve Sedgwick wrote um, Epistemology of the Closet. You have David Halperin writing um, 100 Years of Homosexuality. Michelle Foucault writes The History of Sexuality. These are kind of what we call our canonical queer theory texts. So queer theory is just disrupting that binary system of there is something known as being straight and that, you know, being straight is the dominant or the norm, that male-female dynamic. Queer theory blasts the roof off of that our culture assumes everything to be, what you'll hear is the term heteronormative. Heteronormative just means that our culture thinks that the dominant relationship model should be straightness. So marketing ads are geared around straight couples. Um, so many films that Hollywood produces has a straight couple at the center. That's just the norm. So queer theory says, no, there is this whole umbrella of sexuality. There are those who are not straight. They are queer. And queer is used as a term because they're taking back the prejudice used when the straight community would call people queer and it was seen as a derogative term. So queer theorists said, no, we're going to reclaim the term queer. We're going to use it in an empowering way. We're going to look at the non-binary. Like we're going to disrupt any concept around binary terms of gender, sexuality. Straightness should be questioned. You know, what does it look to what does it look like to look at um, gay men in film, TV? Um, what's it like to be at Fire Island from a queer angle and see how women are interacting with men, how non-binary people are interacting um, with those in the gay community? What is it like when drag queens are performing on Fire Island where the transgender community was not accepted right away on Fire Island? And that's why. If you've ever been to Fire Island, Island, there's this huge um, festival 
called the invasion. Well, the invasion happens at the pines. So, okay, geography for Fire Island. There's the pines on Fire Island and there's Cherry Grove for the LGBTQ resorts. Cherry Grove traditionally had been the more open community of lesbians, transgender people, the gay community, um, non-binary community, basically everyone is accepted. Of course, there was social class discrimination and that still happens because of just the affordability of going to Fire Island. You have to buy the ferry ticket, which now is around $20. You have to pay for parking, which is $17. Um, if you're coming from the city, you have to take a train. You have to pay for a bus to the ferry. So there are a lot of barriers already to go to Fire Island. Okay, so the invasion of the Pines is because the drag community, the transgender community, they're not the, I'm not saying they're the same. I'm not trying to collapse the drag community and the transgender transgender community. They're different, of course. But those who did not, did not fit this very um, white gay model of appropriability, appropriate, appropriateness, yeah, I don't think appropriability is a word. Sorry, I have my PhD. I'm very careful with my words. So the appropriateness of those who went to the Pines in the 1960s, 70s, you know, think um, the model stereotype, think of Andy Warhol. There was like the very wealthy artist community of the Pines. So the drag queens and the transgender community felt ostracized and they were not like, they were actually not allowed to take part in the Pines festivities. So that's why the invasion, it's really an F you, Hey, we're going to invade the Pines and we're going to, you know, not let you exclude those who don't fit this gay white model of respectability politics. There you go. I was thinking of respectability politics when I was saying appropriateness. So when I talked with Jack Parlett to celebrate my Walt Whitman and Queer Theory article, I look at Walt Whitman, the poet from the 19th century. My whole dissertation and my whole article is about Walt Whitman is not writing about same-sex desire when the term gay is around or even straight is around, because that does not happen. The whole concept of homosexuality and heterosexuality, they are terms that are invented. They are invented in the late Victorian period. So it's only been about 130 years since the terms homosexual and heterosexual have even existed. Okay, so let that resonate for you all out there. So Walt Whitman and writers before these terms are created, they're still talking about same-sex desire. We did not need the terms for same-sex desire to exist in literature and in culture. So I'm interested in how same-sex desire is represented without these terms. Okay, so that's where a queer theory helps me to understand just working against a culture that assumes that straightness is the norm. So there's a lot of queer theorists I look to, and one of them, his name is Jack Parlett. If you don't know Jack Parlett, you should. He wrote a really good book called Fire Island. 
Um, he looks at the literary history of Fire Island. I think he starts in the 1940s. He could start a little earlier, but his main focus is the 50s, the 60s. Um, and he looks at a lot of writers. There were a lot of playwrights on Fire Island in the 50s who were gay. Um, it's Fire Island has always been a bastion of creativity. Nature, it's a um, writer's um, paradise. And it's why P-Town is also operates in a similar way for a writer's retreat with the gay community. And the straight community has a lot of writer's retreats, right? P-Town and Fire Island, they are the um, reserved for the LGBTQ community for artists. And that's why I agree with Jack in his work. We need to be looking at the history of Fire Island because there are threats right now to Fire Island because of climate change. There is a lot of destruction happening to the beach and waterfront areas because of just the rising water level. So um, that's why it's really important now to call out uh, the government to help save Fire Island. Um, and hopefully it does not um, go away or disappear because it's a space reserved for the LGBTQ community. We need to preserve it. Okay, so that was my Jack Parlett, Walt Women and Queer Theory episode. If you haven't listened to that podcast episode, there's just so many conversations we get into. Okay. Hi, this is Andrew, and I'm interrupting what I know is an exciting ITBR episode to talk to you about one of our sponsors, the Gay and Lesbian Review. Discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture with a subscription to the Gay and Lesbian Review, a bi-monthly magazine of history, culture, and politics that publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and our popular art memo column. Each issue of the Gay and Lesbian Review brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme, and it brings together the leading minds on the topic. You won't find a lot about the latest dating fads or fashion trends, but you will definitely find articles about online dating, like using Grindr as a social phenomenon, or even the gay influence on 20th century fashion. Did you know that I've actually interviewed three gay and lesbian review contributors? Make sure you listen to my Ignacio Darnod Breaking the Gay Code in Art episode, where Ignacio explains that key artistic figures like Michelangelo, Donatello, Thomas Eakins, J.C. Leyendecker, and Tama Finlan all have really explicit homoerotic artwork. And then head on over to the next episode where I talk with Dr. Vernon Rosario about LGBTQ psychiatry and how homosexuality got depathologized. And our most recent episode was with the Gay and Lesbian Review's literary editor, Martha E. Stone, and she talks about what LGBTQ literature you should be reading this summer and also how to become a contributing writer and a reviewer for the Gay and Lesbian Review. To subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's 
G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W.org, click subscribe, and enter the promo code ITBR to receive a free copy with any print or digital subscription. And as an added bonus, you also receive online access to all of the Gay and Lesbian Reviews archived issues. All of them. Okay, enjoy your reading, everyone. And then I went on the summer break. And when I came back, I delivered my dissertation episode. So you can listen actually to my dissertation presentation. It's called The Pool of Narcissus, Walt Whitman's Homoerotic Poetics. How many of you out there know who Narcissus is from Greek mythology? So that's a rhetorical question because I know so many of you who are listening to this are not on my TikTok live, so you can't answer that question. But if you are on TikTok, feel free to like answer any of these questions I pose um, and I'll shout you out. And that's another reason for you all to join my TikTok lives. But Narcissus um, is, we tend to think of him now with that psychological condition as known as narcissism. That's where they get the illusion is Narcissus. He is the one who stares at his reflection in Greek mythology, and he falls more in love with his own reflection than anything else in society. There's actually a um, a nymph, right? So in Greek mythology, there are these almost fairy-like women known as nymphs. They're water nymphs, so they're in the woods exclusively. And Echo falls in love with Narcissus and wants to enter into a romance or a flirtation, but she can only repeat everything that she hears. She can't actually say anything of her own originality. And that's because Echo got into this conflict with um, Venus. Yes, she got into this conflict with Venus. I guess it would be Aphrodite um, if I'm using the Greek terms. Venus is actually the Roman version of Aphrodite. But she gets into this conflict she then is punished by only repeating the same things that others say. So when she says she can only repeat what Narcissus is saying. So he just hears this echo. He's not interested in her as a romantic figure. He doesn't care that she's the most attractive woman around. Uh, could you say he's queer? Yes. <laughs> Narcissus is very queer. Um, and you could even argue, and some have, that He's actually a gay Greek figure, so to speak. He falls in love with his own image. He stares at it in the reflection. But sadly, like a lot of Greek myths, especially queer Greek myths, he dies. <laughs> he dies because he's not eating. He's not drinking. You know, he's not having his Starbucks coffee. And he's just wasting away staring at his reflection. It's a very sad state of affairs to be Narcissus in Greek mythology. So... Sigmund Freud, um, Sigmund Freud, who a lot of you might know from your psychology classes, the inventor of psychoanalysis, he does a lot of work on narcissists and narcissism. So he writes this whole essay called On Narcissism. You can look it up. It's free online. And he pathologizes gay men by saying, well, gay men are gay because they have narcissistic tendencies. I don't subscribe to that, 
but I think it's important to contextualize how the narcissist myth eventually lands into psychoanalysis and becomes part of narcissism and narcissist tendencies. Okay, but I'm not a psychoanalyst. I'm not a psychologist. So you all can do what you want in the psychology field with that. I'm approaching this from a literature model, just like why is narcissist in so many um, gay male novels, poems, drama, why does his name keep coming up? And that's where I look into Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman doesn't use the word narcissist in his poetry, but he doesn't have to mention the myth because all of his poetry centers on these queer male speakers looking at their own image and being obsessed with the male body. So narcissist enters Whitman's scenery without actually being um, his name ever having to be used. It doesn't have to be used. Um, and there's so many other Greek myths that Whitman uses, especially um, Calamus. So in Greek mythology, you would look it up by it's K-A-L-A-M-O-S. In Whitman's version, it's C-A-L-A-M-U-S. Calamus is unlike Narcissus, he actually has a Greek lover. He has a male lover. His male lover dies, tragically, of course. Again, the male lovers always die. Um, Achilles dies. Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, Patroclus dies, Achilles' lover. The lovers, the gay lovers always die. Um, and I'm using gay. I know that wouldn't be the right term for the time, but you know, we would say gay now. Um, say gay. Okay. That's a call for Florida. Um, you might know the Achilles and Patroclus myth because of Madeline Miller's novel, The Song of Achilles. If you don't know that new, that more contemporary novel, read it, please. It's so good. Um, it's also why I really love Mary Renault's The Persian Boy. Yes, The Persian Boy. It's about Alexander the Great's lover. So I'm always a fan of novels that rework Greek mythology and also fairy tales. It's why I love when I've interviewed Gregory Maguire twice. Yes, Gregory Maguire, who wrote Wicked. And if you have already read Wicked, remember the movie's coming out in a year, the Wicked movie. So get ready. Um, there's going to be a lot of Wicked musical fanfare. Gregory also wrote this novel I love called Mirror, Mirror. It's the take on Snow White. And it actually, he takes the um, bourgeois from the Renaissance period. Lucretia Bourgeois was a very well-known, uh, supposedly manipulative woman, even a poisoner. She poisoned men, apparently, allegedly. <laughs> I can't talk to Lucretia Bourgeois. Um, and... What I really like is that with Lucretia Bourgeois and it's just so fascinating what Gregory Maguire does with Lucretia Bourgeois even dyeing her hair blonde, her obsession <laughs> connecting back to narcissism. There's a lot of narcissistic tendencies with her, of course, and the whole background of the evil queen and why she's obsessed with looking at the mirror for her reflection. So definitely read Mirror, Mirror. I just want to let you all know, I had to quickly pause this podcast recording because guess what? 
TikTok actually removed my live access. So I was kicked off my live I was doing on TikTok because apparently they reported my viewers, someone reported that I was um, inciting hate speech. I don't know how me talking about being an unapologetic gay scholar and steamy content is hate speech, but here, this is the conundrum. I'm telling you, those who think that the LGBTQ community is not um, under threat, you're wrong out there because I keep getting these community violations without knowing why, just for having a platform as a gay content creator and being open about sex positivity. So for all of you out there, I might not be on TikTok live again for a little while. Okay. <laughs> that kind of annoys me. So also married to Pippi's true crime and academia episode. She had a whole discussion about poisonous women in fairy tales and real life. Definitely listen to that episode. It was with a good friend of ours, Christian Garcia. He's the host of that old, that, all gay classic cinema uh, podcast. So they talk about real female serial killers and also fairy tale villains who are poisoners. It is so good. Then I interviewed um, Tom Crew about his novel, The New Life. It fictionalizes John Addington Simmons, who is a Victorian, was a, I say is, because I keep thinking about when I was writing my dissertation, you stay in the present tense when you're writing literary analysis. So John Addington Simmons was a Victorian sexologist who had this over 10 year letter, letter relationship with Whitman. So Definitely read The New Life. There's a lot about John Addington Simmons and having um, a wife, but he's also openly with men. And it's just such an interesting exploration that Tom Cruise lets us get into that um, vantage point and view. And yes, if you're a Whitman fan, there's a lot of John Addington Simmons character um, looking at how Whitman is open about ejaculation and cocks and, oh, it's so good. Okay, such a good book. Then there was my interview with um, a Broadview Press writer, shout out to Broadview Press, who is one of our sponsors, Dr. Jason Holt. Dr. Jason Holt is a philosopher of sports and he talks about what sporting culture, how he looks at it as a philosopher, um, what does it mean to look at the philosophy of both the players in sports, the athletes, but also you as the viewer, as an admirer of sports? You know, NFL season is back. We're starting soon. What is it like for the fan culture? So he looks into all of that in his studies, and it was such a fascinating conversation. You really need to listen to it because we also talk about how gymnasium, it's comes from the ancient Greek word gymnos, which means nude. And for ancient Greek culture, the gymnasium centered on the aesthetic of the muscle, the male mus uh, muscle culture, of the sinews of their body, of just, they had um, oil that they would rub on. There were the, There was the wrestling culture. It's just interesting how eroticism mixed with athletic culture. And I think how we still see it in our modern day. 
in gym culture and bodybuilding culture. There's a lot of homoeroticism. Um, As a Long Islander, I was so excited when I finally found a med spa that totally matched everything I wanted. I was looking for a good facial place, a good place that had skin products. And guess what? In my hometown now of Port Jeff Village, there is Skin Med Spa. And I'm here with the owner, Lauren, who's going to explain to you all what kinds of services are offered, products that are offered, and you know why you should come to Skin Med Spa if you're in the Long Island or New York City area. Well, we wanted to open up a place that was offering all holistic, natural treatments that were really providing results driven, um, where someone could come in, maybe struggling with acne and has tried so many different products and they couldn't find what was right for them. So we customize all treatments to really help you dive into your skincare goals, whether it's anti-aging, rejuvenation, like I said, acne, just to help with cellular turnover, focus on building healthy skin. Um, we have two locations. We have Skin Med Spa and Body right here in Port Jeff Village. And again, we focus on all natural plant-based skincare. We'll help you design a good custom skincare line for you. And we'll help you find the right treatments, whatever your skin needs. Yeah. So Lauren and Sarah, they know that I get a cupping here. I get hydrofacials with Rosie. I get jet peel facials with Lauren. Everything here is so wonderfully curated, like Lauren said. And there's just any kind of product. Oh, I know there's now laser hair removal. I mean, there's always a new product being offered. So Everyone out there who's listening, if they want to come to Skin Med Spa in Port Jeff Village, how can they find you and get in touch? We're really active on social media. So at Skin Med Spa PJ on Instagram, that's the best way you could probably find us because we really try to post daily updates of our clients and who's coming in and the treatments that we're doing. Um, and of course, on our website, there's always links down how to book an appointment. But everything we do when you call us, that's always the best way. We answer the phone and we'll talk forever and help you find whatever is perfect for you. Okay, well, hopefully Lauren gets to meet you all. Say that you heard Skin Med Spa's ad on the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and maybe I'll see you all here. Okay. Good. Bye. Thank you. Hey, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners and true crime friends. You've heard me gush over this incredible woman and her beautiful products. I'm talking about Mandy Made It. Mandy makes customized and original crochet and cre-cut goods. They are the perfect, unique, one-of-a-kind gift for literally anyone in your life. And she makes incredible home decor. I still have my pumpkins that I put out every fall. I just love them. Check her out on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E made it. Or search Mandy Made It on Facebook. To order, just slide into her DMs. And if you mention the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you will receive a free personalized gift with your first order. So, go on Instagram and look up at Mandy Made It. And Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. Again, her handle is at Mandy Made It. Mandy spelled M-A-N-D-E-E and ordered today. I am going to be doing more athletic conversations. I actually am going to bring on athletic trainers soon, so I can't wait to release that episode. 
Then on August 7th, I had the episode, What Happened to 70s Gay Male Erotic Liberation? And it was with Dr. Thomas Wall. Dr. Thomas Wall wrote so openly about the golden age of gay pornography. He has this book called Hard to Imagine. So I revisit this book that he wrote um, in the late 80s, early 90s about gay pornography, how he looked at it as, how he looks at it as a scholar. And I asked him, Studio 54 culture, Golden Age of Gay Porn, Fire Island in the 70s, if you could afford it. Again, I want to emphasize, I'm saying if you could afford it. Um, and if, you know, you are privileged and white, um, that there were so, there was such an openness while there also weren't the legal strides that we've now made. Of course, there wasn't uh, same-sex marriage. There wasn't adoption rights. Um, and I know right now in different states, those laws um, vary widely. But I ask him, what have we lost and what have we gained? Like we've gained a lot in the legal sphere. Have we lost things like uh, gay spaces? Have we lost, because we lost the bathhouse culture, you know, what is it like now? The gayborhood has changed. I mean, we all rapidly are seeing there's the assimilation of the LGBT community in places where they weren't accepted to be open, but now they are being accepted. But should we also have spaces that are reserved only for the LGBT community? And that will bring me eventually into my own personal journey. So you also need to listen to Dr. Tim Dean Dr. Tim Dean came on the podcast. He revisited his book, Unlimited Intimacy, Reflections on the Subculture of Barebacking. Yes, he talked about men who don't wear condoms. Um, when he wrote this book, though, in 2009, there was not PrEP medication. For all of you out there who don't know what PrEP is, um, it's okay. PrEP is um, a prophylactic medication. It's something I take. Um Every day I take a blue pill, it prevents HIV transmission. So it's not, you know, so those of us who take PrEP, um, you don't have HIV, but it's a preventative medicine. Um, and we know there's so many strides. If you are HIV positive, you live a really healthy, well-balanced life now with the medication. So he was writing this book, though, when the medication for HIV was still, it's not what it is today. And he got a lot of backlash and was really misunderstood by the um, academic community, especially about how could you write, Tim, about men not having condoms and you're encouraging risky behavior. And I get into that. I ask him, what does he think about what is risky behavior? You know, he taught, he teaches this material to his students. And I asked, do you feel protected by your university about talking about porn, like you actually show porn in the classroom. Do you feel that it was easier to do that back in 2009 than it is now in 2023 when we have just a crisis in the humanities where departments are shutting down? Uh, professors feel that they're not protected by academic freedom. So we get into all of that. And if you are a queer man and you enjoy pornography, 
there's a lot of discussion about Treasure Island media. So I've heard a lot of great feedback from the viewers, the listeners, I should say, um, about the episode. So again, keep your DMs coming. Share out these podcasts. Um, you know, feel free to record a clip from the podcast and share it with us on social media. I'll make sure that I shout you out and tag you. It means a lot. The word of mouth means a lot. You all following on Apple and Spotify and reviewing and rating, please, it just helps so much. Especially now, this is my full-time job. I am the host and director of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. I've now entered into my, you know, media sphere. Okay. Uh, so then I had Gay Culture Corner. It's a new seasonal series that I'm doing with Joseph Federico, who is just an incredible social media marketing uh, maven. That's his... Um, the hat he wears, but he's just such an excellent conversationalist. He talked about his coming out journey in New Jersey. We both grew up in New Jersey. Um, he talks about being in a long-term relationship, how he navigates that with his partner, how he's starting to build a larger gay friend group. And I ask him for advice because I really want to gain a larger gay friend group. He's going to come back for Halloween, we're going to talk about Interview with the Vampire, the new AMC series. Uh, we're going to talk about American Horror Story New York. The new American Horror Story Delicate is premiering on September, I think, 20th, which is the day before my birthday. My birthday is September 21st, everyone. Uh, just so you know, I'm a Virgo. In the 29th degree, I have an episode here where my uh, birth chart is read by my friend who's an astrologer, Sarah. So as you learn in that episode, I'm on I'm in the 29th degree, which is like, as she says, an extra oomph of Virgo-ness. <laughs> so I can't wait to have Joseph back. We're going to do maybe we might even I hope, you know, I'll get in uh, a conversation about um, I think it's a haunting in Venice. It might be the haunting in Venice, but that movie looks incredible. As I told you all, I am a diehard Halloween fan. I am all things spooky season. Sign me up. Okay. So then I just had a recent interview with Stuart Barnes. He is a gay poet in Australia. It's such a wonderful conversation. He talks about how he taps into thinking beyond human language to, in his poetry, the technology has its own voice as a speaker. Animals have a voice. And I ask him, how does he navigate all that? How does he navigate the ethics of, you know, talking in an animal language? He then opens up about the ethics of Grindr. Like, what does it mean to have that app on our phone and navigate those ethics in a technological way? So it's a great episode. Okay. Now I'm going to journey into my personal life. So guess what, everyone? I'm only doing this for our Patreon members. Yes, I've given you a lot for free, but I have to promote the Patreon. You can join for $5 a month. It's only $5 a month, everyone. It's a, less than a cup of coffee. I have my Starbucks with me. It's less definitely than my Starbucks uh, latte or shaken espresso. It's not a latte. I guess it's similar to a latte. So patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room you can join at the five dollar level and you'll listen to me open up about 
my intimate journey this summer being embracing my hot boyness. <laughs> That's what I now call it. But I'm going to open up about that. I'm going to talk about going to the clothing optional Belvedere and what it means to me to be naked in that space. Uh, what was it like to meet different men? And why am I now thinking of going back on the dating scene? So, you know, join the Patreon. I appreciate it. I also want to let you all know we're starting a book club. I am starting a book club on the Patreon. I'm going to host it on Zoom. So you have to join the Patreon as a book club member. If you join the book club, you get access to all of the bonus episodes and all the video interviews. So you basically unlock, you unlock everything when you become a book club member. Um, so if you want to join the Ivory Tower Boiler Room book club, you'll see that level. There's the True Crime and Academia book club. Mary's starting that the first week of October. Um, and then if you want to join both book clubs, it's $10 a month. Join both book clubs. And I'm going to do the first one the last week of September. Mary does her first one the first week of October. And we're doing it no matter how many people. If there's three of you, I'll do the Zoom. If there's 20 of you, I'll do the Zoom. If I have to create more book club Zooms because there's so many of you, that would be amazing. I also am sending polls out on social media um, with the book club picks. So right now it's between Parachute Women by Elizabeth Winder, the um, women who are behind the Rolling Stones creation, and um, a novel called Most Hated by Kara Alloway, which centers on the antics of reality TV personalities and um, a soap opera. So you can put in your votes on the Ivory Tower Boiler Room Instagram. I've done TikTok videos to promote the book club. So hope to see more of you in the Patreon. And now I'm going to talk about what it's like when I get naked on Fire Island. Okay, bye everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Andrew Rimby, the host and director of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. I am joined with Mary DePippi, our chief contributor and host of True Crime and Academia. Please, if you're not, make sure that you follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and True Crime and Academia on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok too. Remember our TikTok. That's where all the exciting video clips are posted. Make sure that you join our Patreon if you want more Ivory Tower Boiler Room and True Crime and Academia content. All the video interviews are on our Patreon. All of our bonus episodes are on Patreon. And it just means so much for you to join for $5 a month. You unlock all of our bonus episodes. And also, it just helps support the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Thank you so much for giving Mary and I a needed jolt of caffeine for coffee. Thanks for the $5. Head to patreon.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. We cannot wait for you all to listen to our summer season. There are so many exciting episodes. And we're also celebrating three years of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. So. Without further ado, thanks for listening. Make sure you listen to the next episode next week and have a wonderful summer season, everyone. Okay, bye now.